The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Everybody, welcome to NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One. Carolyn Mano, joined by our crew chief Steve Latart. A very special day here on the show as the premiere of the Dale Jr. Download TV show is set to debut a half hour from now. But we begin with the news that NASCAR announced earlier today. The sports executive vice president, Steve O'Donnell, telling NASCAR.com that the rules package that we saw in this year's All-Star Race will not be used again for the rest of the 2018 Cup Series season. O'Donnell said. Everyone is aligned on doing what's best for the fans. We had a lot of detailed conversations, but in the end, we all felt like the best thing to do was to put some additional effort into some potential tweaks and focus on 2019 versus a race or two this season. Steve, a lot of people think that the regular season finale at Indianapolis on September 9th is the perfect place to use this package. What is your initial reaction to this news? Well, Carolyn, simple enough, I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed in NASCAR's decision not to run this aero package. I can't remember a time in the sport recently where there's been so much excitement, so much banter about a change made like the one that was made at the All-Star Race. While there's still a lot of questions about it, and I do understand some of the, uh, you know, the apprehension about possible tweaks, I still think that's an opportunity for 2019, but I think the opportunity was completely missed to not run it again in 2018. You know, rarely... Does anyone have the chance where they know they have won over the court of public opinion? And I think that's what happened at the All-Star Race. It's not a package that's meant for every racetrack. But you mentioned Indianapolis, the end of the regular season. This was just done a year ago with the Xfinity Series, and that race was outstanding. I was in the booth for that race, and it's one of the most memorable Indy races I remember watching. And I purely attribute that to the rules that NASCAR brought. So I guess basically I'm disappointed. I think they should have run the new package at Indianapolis. There's always a great list of valid arguments why you shouldn't do anything, as I'm sure there was a great list of valid arguments why they didn't do it. But it's like that for any amount of change, and I think at some point you have to go against the grain, against the arguments, and you have to do what you think is best. And in my mind, that would have been running that new package this year. Let's bring in the co-host of The Morning Drive on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, Pete Pistoni. Pete, the first line of Steve O'Donnell's statement says that he wants everybody to be aligned with what the fans want. Is this the right move? Is this what the fans want? Well, Carolyn, as Steve just said, the court of public opinion, as someone who sort of presides over that court of public opinion on the morning drive with the fans, I can't remember a time where we had almost overwhelmingly positive reaction to a race weekend like we had at the All-Star Race from the fans on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So when I got this news today, I'm like Steve, I, I was A, disappointed, but I'm also just confused because three weeks ago we heard in Michigan uh, a couple weeks ago that team owners like Richard Childers and Roger Penske said, we need to do this. It doesn't matter if it costs some extra money. The bottom line is we need to make better racing for the fans. And we thought we were going to get it a couple of times. We thought we were going to get it at Indianapolis for the season finale. I think there was a lot of sentiment about, wow, what that race could bring based on what we saw last year in the Xfinity Series package. And now that that race 
is the last race of the regular season and everything that's on the line for that. What a great event that could be. And I'd sort of have that balloon burst today by this news. I think that's the sentiment that I'm getting from the fan base that they have been calling the channel most of the day and this morning. You know, Steve, Pete brings up ownership and everybody getting on the same page with this. The question that comes to my mind and probably comes to the mind of a lot of fans is why is this happening? And I'm not going to put you in a position to speculate on why this may or may not be the case, but do you think we're going to find out anything else down the line about why this decision to push it to next year was made? Well, I doubt we're going to get any sort of official statement, but I'm confident over the weekend in Sonoma, the people that are in disagreement with this announcement probably will give you their opinions on what the excuses were. I mean, it's pretty easy to understand. It was going to have to be a financial commitment. There was going to have to be some planning involved when it comes to the engines, what type of engine rules you could have. Um, they had the advantage of having sealed engines for the all-star race. You know, as I said, there's a list of valid arguments that made Indianapolis a challenge. But there's always a list of great challenges in the way of any great kind of exploration or anything new. And I think those arguments don't weigh enough water in my mind for the potential upside. Indianapolis is not just a racetrack. Indianapolis is the most historic racetrack in the entire country. In my mind, NASCAR must race there. And this was an opportunity to put on a better race for the fans in Indianapolis than the racing we've seen there in years past. And I think that's where my frustration is, 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 is coming from. I want to see a better race there. And there's the argument that you can't change the rules, but in the end, it's one race of 26, less than 4% of the regular season. That's what one race is. And in my mind, that is not... A, a massive change. One race I can accept. We've seen it in the years past. Just a few years ago, we had a special rules package in Indy. I would have liked to have seen it again this year. Pete, at this point, it is what it is. And you mentioned that on your show on Sirius XM, you really are a touchstone for the fans. They call in constantly. I know this is something that they are going to continue to be talking about throughout the week. But with Sonoma coming up this weekend, what have you been hearing um, from your listeners this week to that end in terms of what to expect? Carolyn, there's a lot of excitement for Sonoma, and quite frankly, there's been a lot of excitement for NASCAR road racing in the last few years. I, I call it a renaissance in the NASCAR road racing world. It wasn't that long ago that a lot of fans didn't like stock cars on road courses. They didn't think it was good racing. It's not what NASCAR really is known for with all the oval track racing that we have. But I think in a, when we went to double file restarts back in 2009, that changed the complexion of not just every track we go to, but I think particularly road racing side-by-side -side restarts the cars are closer together they do touch one another once in a while and i think that's what fans want more of and we don't get a lot of that a lot of the time on oval tracks and we don't have to talk about rules packages or aerodynamics or anything like that this weekend it's just good hard racing and the fans i think are really looking forward to the first of the two cup road races we're going to have this weekend at sonoma steve how excited are you about it Oh, I can't wait. It's not just the racing on the racetrack, both Sonoma and Watkins Glen. When you pull into those facilities, it is an event. There are people camping. There are people having a great time. It reminds me of a major sporting event, a weekend-long type event. And I think that's what makes it so special is not just the racetracks, but where they're put in the country. Uh, the wine country out at Sonoma is beautiful. You go to upstate New York for Watkins Glen is great as well. And, and I actually think Pete is dead on with the addition of double file restarts. And another thing that I think has helped road course racing is the lack of testing. I think for years, the bigger teams could go test, even if it wasn't at the correct racetrack. That gave them an advantage and kind of maybe didn't produce the best exciting racing. But now that everyone's kind of even keel when you show up on a Friday for practice, there's something about those racetracks that just put unbelievable, exciting races on every time we head there.
All right, Pete is going to be back with us in just a little bit. And remember, 5.30 Eastern, we are bringing you the debut of Dale Jr. Download the TV show, so plan on sticking around for that. But we're just getting started here in the first half hour of the show. Coming up, the racetrack rescue that has gone completely viral. A driver crashes, his car bursts into flames, and what happened next made headlines all around the country. More on this dramatic incident when NASCAR America comes back. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. All right, it is almost here, movie fans. Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard return to star in the next chapter of one of the most exciting movies in history. Do not miss the movie event of the summer. You can see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in theaters tomorrow. Meantime, today's My Home Track taking us back to an unusual moment from Father's Day weekend that has now gone viral. Contact with a competitor led to this crash for Mike Jones during a late model race out South Boston Speedway in Virginia. And after his car caught fire, his father, Dean, who was also his crew chief, quickly came to his son's rescue. He jumped over the pit wall on an active track to pull his son from the burning vehicle, both able to walk away without injury. And later, they talked about their ordeal. It's a driver's worst nightmare for sure. I could see someone in white uh, jumping over the wall, and, and I knew if it was anyone, it was going to be my dad for sure. And, and it was. When I saw the flames, um, nothing was going to stop me from getting to his car. It's just something that a father never wants to see. Um, I knew I had to do something about it. The feeling that I felt when I pulled him out of the car was just a sense of relief that my son was alive. Uh, he was not hurt. I was able to get him away from the fire. Uh, it's, it's really kind of hard to put in words. Steve, a fascinating moment. You are a father. You were a crew chief. Describe for us the helplessness of seeing somebody that you care about stuck behind the wheel of a car in an event like that. Carolyn, I'll never forget the day uh, down the front stretch, Pocono, Pennsylvania. I was Jeff Gordon's crew chief, a person who raised me, a mentor of mine. He had brake failure, goes into turn one, spins backwards through the grass, a huge driver's side impact that unplugged the radio. So I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't communicate there was a little fire, but more than that, it was just a huge impact. And there's that moment in time in the pit of your stomach that you are just praying everything turns out okay. Luckily, it did that day. I can't imagine what that was like for a father. My son races. I've seen him in a few accidents. Fortunately, none involved fire. Uh, truly just a surreal moment and um, just glad everything turned out well. You know, see, the first thing that went through my mind, honestly, when I saw this was the safety issue with all of this. Dean Jones, who's the father, has been put on probation by the Speedway for the rest of the year. Um, I, you know, not seeing the fire suit and seeing somebody jump onto an active track. I'm not a father. I don't have children. So, of course, you know, I don't understand that aspect of it, really. But um, it was just interesting to see the safety aspect of all of this. Well, yeah, I mean, the probation is absolutely needed. You know, I think the track took a little understanding of the situation. Definitely if it was uh, uh, not quite the same circumstances, there could have been more of an issue because they can't have people jumping on the racetrack. In that situation, I think everyone understands what took over. But you are right. You have to leave it up to the professionals. 
But in that situation, it was definitely heartwarming to see that gentleman, that driver, get out of that race car. Yeah, and good to know that everybody is okay as well. While we're talking about South Boston Speedway, last month they actually hosted the K&N Pro Series East, which is part of NASCAR's top developmental series. We talk about them a lot on the show. And this past weekend, K&N East was at New Jersey Motorsports Park, which is one of two road courses on the circuit, which is, of course, appropriate since it's Sonoma Week. The K&N Pro Series has produced some of NASCAR's top young stars. Todd Gilliland has two wins in the East this season. And Harrison Burton beat Gilliland for the East title back in 2017. Other notables include Noah Gradson, who is now full-time in trucks, and Navy Reserve Officer Jesse Iwuji, who runs in both the KNN East and West divisions. And this past weekend was the third time that the KNN East Series has raced at New Jersey Motorsports Park. Ernie Francis Jr., a four-time champion in the Trans Am Series, won the pole position for his series debut, but starting alongside him was NASCAR next driver Will Rogers, who won at New Jersey last year, and on lap seven, he put his seven car in the lead, and Francis kept the pressure on, but later made a mistake, sending his 42 car off track. You can see it on the left-hand side, losing a little bit of distance there. So a restart with five laps to go gave Francis and the rest of the field one more chance to catch Rogers, but with multiple contenders running into trouble, he ended up pulling away pretty easily, and the California native ultimately won by more than six seconds. Rogers has won all three of his career starts in the K&N Pro Series East. He was also victorious at Watkins Glen last season. So we are now halfway through the K&N East season. Tyler Ankrum still holds the championship lead by 16 points over Tyler Dipple. Ronnie Bassett Jr. at 28 points back in third position, and the series returns to action July 14th at Thompson Speedway in Connecticut. Meanwhile, the k Pro Series West is competing Saturday at Sonoma Raceway, and the series will have some very special guests. No less than five Monster Energy Series drivers are in the field. Eric Jones, Alex Bowman, William Byron, Eric Amarola, and Daniel Suarez. Seems like a smart move, Steve. What can those five drivers learn in that race that will help them on Sunday? Well, one thing that makes Sonoma and road course racing in general much different than an oval, Carolyn, is the driver has so many opportunities to adjust the handling of his race car by how he drives the racetrack. At a circle track, there's usually one preferred groove, not a lot you can do. When you go to Sonoma, the curbs, the braking zones, how you set up each corner, all of that can change how your car handles. And there's no real way to learn that other than laps. And it doesn't matter whether you're driving a K&N car or a cup car, laps are valuable. So it's no surprise all five of those names there are relatively young drivers. Almaroma probably with the most experience out of the five, but I applaud those five drivers because it's a busy week out there already, and to go from garage to garage can make it a little more tiring, but I think that the extra experience without a doubt will pay off through the day on Sunday. Hey, they say practice makes perfect. We've talked about Sonoma, of course, but coming up, we're going to get a little bit more specific. Steve's going to tell us which drivers specifically to watch at Sonoma this weekend. Plus, we'll ask Steve about a celebration that he and Dale Jr. had after a top five run in wine country. Don't miss that. So it is the first official day of summer, which means that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is about to join our broadcast team. He makes his debut July 1st, live from Chicagoland. That's only 10 days from now. We're very excited. While you're waiting for that, just know that the Dale Jr. download makes its debut today right here. The TV show at 530 Eastern. That is around 12 minutes from now. Okay, so please don't go anywhere. You do not want to miss that. 
After struggling for years on road courses, Junior's 2014 visit to Sonoma was really a breakthrough for him, and he reflected on that yesterday. You're taking a brand new car to Sonoma, you got to go down the street and cut a couple laps at Virginia and make sure everything's good, you know. Make sure at least the brakes are working the way you want and also learn a few things if you can with drive off and so forth. This season here, actually, uh, we decided not to test. Steve Latart says, we're not going to go anywhere and test. And I was <laughs> on, on the phone with him. I'm like, man, I kind of think this is a great idea. <laughs> we ended up having a great car and having a great race. It was my first top five at Sonoma in my career. I'd never finished better than 11th. After this race, I got out of the car and I said, this is like a win for me, Steve. He goes, like a win for me too. And we we stayed up and partied till about two in the afternoon yeah. on Monday. Uh, just so happy about running so well there, having not, you know, prepared the way we usually did. Did I hear something about partying until two in the afternoon? Would you like to confirm or deny uh, said allegations, Mr. Steve Latart? You were the guy running what? the show there. Well, Caroline, I'll say it was one of the biggest hangovers to never receive a trophy. Normally, the trophy <laughs> comes with a, a great celebration, but it was to that point. It was the last year that Dale and I had together. We had won the 500. We knew we were in the playoffs, and we went out there to have a good time, and it was a great reminder to both of us of why we raced, which is lineup and competition against the best in the world. It wasn't about technology. It wasn't about planning. It wasn't about preparation. It was about a group of guys that were ready to go out there and have a good time. We had a good time, and it worked. And the good time did continue through the sun up. I think actually through lunch, I might add. It was, a, it was quite a celebration for a third place finish. You know what? Those stories are why Wednesday is so fun on the show and also why the Dale Jr. Download TV show is going to be fun too because you get behind the scenes looks at all the fun that you guys had uh, over your tenure together. But let's put that aside for now. Let's get into some driver specifics for this weekend. When you look at the drivers competing on Sunday, you've got a guy like A.J. Allmendinger, Steve, who has this reputation of being a road course ringer. Everybody's pointing towards him for the weekend what chance do you give him well it's funny carolyn you know with fantasy racing i've been doing a little bit more studying on my race car drivers and i studied up on aj armendinger mr road course himself and i was surprised to find that his numbers at sonoma are not as impressive as you thought they might be while his overall numbers at the road courses are great they are heavily weighted to Watkins Glen. you see nine starts at both places a win but look at the Big shift in average finish. Six top tens, very consistent at the Glen, and averages a finish inside the top 10, where at Sonoma, he's outside the top 20. And I go back and watch the races at Sonoma. He qualifies so well. He has a tremendous amount of speed, but he just seems to find trouble throughout the day. You know, there's something about Sonoma, they call it the short track of road course racing versus Watkins Glen being a fast speedway of road course racing. And there's some, something about the finesse of that short track that doesn't seem to suit AJ's style over the course of the day. So I'm a little concerned. I'll be watching practice. I have no doubt he'll be fast. The question is, can he maintain it over the course of the race? All right, so while we're cracking the books open here, consider this fact for a second, Steve. The last three years, Sonoma has produced a driver's first win of the season. So a driver like Kurt Busch, still searching for victory lane this year. Your thoughts on his chances? Oh, he's my pick to win this week, actually, Carolyn. I think that Stuart Haas Racing, it's been so well documented how fast they've been. Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick have dominated the first chunk of the season. But when you look at someone like Kurt Busch, 
He runs consistently well out there. Over half his race is inside the top 10. He's always around near the front. And you have to remember, some of these stats are with some a little bit lower-funded race teams. He wasn't always in the 22 for Penske or the 41 for Stuart Haas Racing. He had a small stint out there with Harry Scott Motorsports and actually ran very well with that car. And I think this team is looking to kind of, you know, put their name on the wall at Stuart Haas Racing. Remind everybody that they can win as well. I think he can do it when it heads to wine country. I think his crew chief and him are as close as I've ever seen them. It's going to take some strategy, take a good call on top of the pit box. So I actually look for Kurt Busch to go to victory lane this weekend. I appreciate the insight, Steve, because in the commercial break, I'm going to pull up my fantasy lineup because that's what's <laughs> coming up next in the show, and I think I might change a couple things around. We're bringing you our fantasy picks. It is the final week of our 10-week league, Pete Pistoni coming back to lend his expertise as well. Get your fantasy lineups out. We'll be back right after this. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. Four minutes away. Can you handle it? Can you stick with us? The debut of Dale Jr. Download the TV show. Full 30 minutes with Jr. coming your way. And later tonight, we're actually going to bring you one of the stars of the U.S. Olympic team in both London and Rio. Ohio native Kayla Harrison is the most decorated Olympic judo athlete in U.S. history, having won gold at the last two Olympic Games. And now she has her sights set on MMA. The Olympic champion going to make her debut tonight in Chicago with the Professional Fighters League. So if you're into that, you can catch her at 9 p.m. Eastern live right here on NBCSN as well. So back to Sonoma for a second. Here are the current odds from the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr. all have 4-1 to odds. Clint Boyer at 6-1. to A.J. Allmendinger, the road course threat at Watkins Glen, says Steve, sitting currently at 15-1. to So Sonoma marks the end of our 10-week league on NASCAR Fantasy Live. And here's a look at the overall leaders going into the final race. Big thanks, by the way, to everybody who's been competing with us. It's been really fun. Look at you guys dominating overall the quote-unquote experts. As for those experts, the NASCAR and NBC broadcasters, Dustin Long may be toasting with a glass of Sonoma's finest after this weekend. He leads our group by 26 points over Rick Allen. Wow. Steve, did you talk a big game before this? I didn't. I don't even know. No, I was... I was smart enough to not talk a big game. Rick Allen. Um, Rick Allen was just chirping, chirping, chirping since this thing began. And then sweet Dustin Long just coming in at the very end. Um, who are you picking this weekend? Well, the bonus picks are the ones that always seem to get me. But if you look at my lineup, Stuart Haas heavy. I have Kevin Harvick. Hamlin always runs well. Clint Boyer. You see I have Kyle Busch. You have to have him in the lineup. And then I have Kurt Busch. That's my winning driver. I think he's going to win. Chase Elliott in the garage. We'll see how he runs. I like A.J. Allmendinger earlier in the race. And then you see, I believe, Kurt Busch by the time the race comes to an end. All right, throw my picks up real quick because I'd like to remind everybody I've been climbing this thing slowly. Uh, I'm basically going all chalk. Let's bring in Pete Pistoni. He does a fantasy show called Fantasy Racing Preview on Sirius XM. Pete, talk to us. What are you doing this weekend? Well, I've got to go heavy, too. I mean, the big three have to be in your lineup at 4-1. to one, And you mentioned special guest star, Quinn Boyer. But is this a week where maybe Jimmy Johnson, he has the best average finish at Sonoma of eight guys over the last ten races. Maybe we're not talking about aero and engineering and all that. Maybe this is a weekend where the Camaro gets near the front. Maybe you put Jimmy Johnson on your roster. You know what, Pete? I respect that because I have put Jimmy Johnson in a number of times over the last nine weeks. Steve, do you think that that's a good call? I put Daniel Suarez in my garage because I feel like I can get fancy in there. 
Hey, I didn't lie. When you had the Westgate odds up there, I saw Jimmy Johnson at 30-1 to 1 and thought that'd be a pretty good bet because I agree with Pete saying that, you know, you take away Arrow and it just comes down to grit and grind. Can the seven-time kind of kick-start his season and get to the front? But in the end, I think it's going to be a surprise-type race out there. You know, we always talk about the strategy. We talk about how many times you have to pit. But those double-file restarts have changed everything. Nothing ever seems to go as planned when it heads to Sonoma. So I'm just going to have to wait and see. So quickly, Pete, I need to make up serious ground in this very last week. Can you give me like one complete long shot that I can consider? I can still make changes before the weekend. It's really weird to say he's a long shot, but what about Kyle Larson? It's a home race for him, and he's only 30 to 1. Give him a shot, Carolyn. See what you get with the 42. All right, yeah, I'm interested in that. My lineup is not firmly set. I think there's time for some changes, but overall it's going to be a great weekend. Also, make sure if you're still thinking about your fantasy lineup, go to rotoworld.com. Check out what Dan Beaver's got on there. He actually agrees with Steve Letarte that A.J. Allmendinger may be somebody to only consider at Watkins Glen. So there's lots of stuff on there. Check it out. Meantime, the Dale Jr. download starting right now. Oh, boy, we're excited. Enjoy. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.